phase is locked and ready to fire, sir. Illogical. Hello and welcome back. Floyd, your host from Federation Radio once again. So, today we're going over episode 21, a court-martial. Well, it's just called court-martial. And this episode is one of the many, many, many court scenes, I mean court cases that we're going to get going forward in Star Trek. Because court settings are a really, really good and interesting way of getting people involved and interested in characters without actually endangering them and doing the usual like sci-fi tropes. And also, as I mentioned during the Menagerie, which was the last kind of court case that we did against Captain Pike, if you remember. Well, actually, it was against Captain Spock. Well, first, first Officer Spock, I guess you'd say. First Officer Spock, who was doing his actions for Captain Pike in the Menagerie. But anyway, so today we got Court Martial. And this is an episode where, as the title suggests, Captain Kirk gets Court Martialed. Now, that from the start is cool. Like, I can see back in the day they would have ran ads for this. They would have done the whole Captain Kirk on trial. What has he done? Find out the next episode type ads. You know, today with the way we watch it now, streaming, so it doesn't really matter. You just, it's one of the 50 episodes you could watch in a day. But it is kind of cool. And obviously this episode, like most of these episodes, is usually a way of saving costs because they get a budget for the entire season. And you can do a couple little episodes like this in the Menagerie that basically cost you shit all money. Couple uniforms, couple guys in like two rooms or two sets. You don't have to build sets, no new uniforms, nothing crazy, no aliens. It's just a couple little sound effects. Like this is something that, you know, if you had a small crew, you could slap together in a couple days and put on TV, saving a big part of your budget for, you know, more epic things later. Like we saw in Arena with the full-on explosions and the flashes and all the things we saw there. You know, these episodes have their place. They are called bottle episodes usually in the community because they're basically like a ship in a bottle story where it's a whole story taking place but in a very small area. And some people get annoyed at them and they see them as almost like a waste of an episode. For me personally, I don't mind them. They're not always the most exciting episodes but the court cases tend to be pretty interesting. They tend to be over good reasons. Now, this one, oh, this one is an interesting one because it's all about Kirk, who went through an incident who he is reporting at the start of the episode. He is sitting with a Commodore, another Commodore, Commodore Stone, I believe, and he's telling him all about what happened. Officer Finlay, or Finley, has died. He died in what seems to be an accident in an ion storm. So he was doing some kind of maintenance in... A, some kind of pod. I'm not actually 100% on what the area was. It was some kind of pod. Now, it might have even been... I don't know. I don't actually know. He was in a part of the ship anyway where he was in danger if they hit red alert. Because if you don't know, when they hit red alert, it's not just lights going off. It's not just a way of telling the crew to get to their station. It is that, but there's also a bunch of automatic things that happen when red alert is hit. Like, for instance, a lot of the outside parts of the ship are cut off. Like, if you're in the cargo bays and the doors are open during red alert, unless you, as an authorized officer, say otherwise, the cargo bay doors shut. Because red alert is, we could be in combat, we could be lots of things. Any vulnerabilities to the ship are automatically locked down. Which means, there are certain sections where if you are in them and you see a yellow alert happen, you need to get out of them. Because if it turns into a red alert, that's not a safe place to be. Because red alert, you know, the ship could be attacked. 
systems are all set in place to move. Sometimes they have to use force fields to block off areas if they get shot at. So there are certain parts of the ship where they prioritize, like, yeah, this area will be vented in case. This area will not have oxygen if there's an emergency. If there is a yellow alert, you get out of these sections. And that, you know, it makes sense. But in this, we get an interesting... Kirk is telling this guy, the Commodore, that w- what about what happened? Sorry, I don't know why I'm stuttering over my words so much today. Just get it out. Uh, so he's telling that what happened was they hit an ion storm. It can be pretty dangerous. And ion storms, you know, they mess with electrical systems. We've seen them before. And he did what he's supposed to do. He claims he hit the yellow alert button. Not long after that, he had to switch it to a red alert because of them going through the storm and how rough it can be. But he claims he gave more than adequate time for the yellow alert before he jettisoned whatever this room is. I don't know if it's a sensor probe or torpedo bay. I don't know what it's meant to be. Whatever this room he was in. And Kirk said, like procedure states, we gave him a few seconds, even a few more, like we usually would, where during the yellow alert, when it happens, you're meant to leave these areas. Finlay should have left that room. He didn't. And so, when the red alert was called, he was presumably jettisoned into the storm, and he's now considered missing. He's MIA. And they're considering him dead, because obviously they couldn't find him when they did a ship ship search. Internal sensors didn't pick him up. They weren't able to find him. Presumably the search of the ship pulled up nothing. Computers couldn't register he was there, so they've had to declare him missing or officially dead. Now, you know... These sorts of things, as Kirk said, they're accidents. Accidents happen. You're in space. You're in an isolated place. There's a lot of things in space that can be dangerous, even outside of combat. Things like ion storms happen. Asteroids hit the ship. Lots of things can go wrong. And sadly, you are isolated in space. Occasionally, the odd crew member is going to suffer an accident or go missing. It is just sort of a fact of life. But it gets really interesting when Kirk basically calls up the ship to ask where is Spock, because Spock's meant to be transferring over with the records from the computer that basically corroborate the story he's telling and the report he has that he's handing into his command structure, which is fine. I think in most modern militaries that is the case. If there's an accident or something happens, you you put in all of your files, you put in your story, like, yep, this is what I say happened, this is what I remember... The people under your command file their reports, and then there's probably some kind of official place where all those reports go. They go over it all. If there's inconsistencies, they investigate, but for the most part, like, accidents happen, we put it in the log. It's on the report, their families are notified. Now, in this case, it got interesting, because he, Commodore kind of looks at Kirk and looks a bit confused. He's like, so, because Spock does bring in the computer record, Spock quickly says to the captain that, you know, I ran a scan on the computer systems, nothing seemed to be wrong with it, we don't know what happened to Finlay. Here is this. And before he can say anything about what's actually in the record, why he seemed a bit concerned, the Commodore looks up and says, Kirk, I have to presume that you lied in your report. And I am now, what's he called? He's locking him, he's not locking him, he's telling him not to leave the surface because they're on like some kind of base. I don't know if it's a space station or it's a base on a planet. They're never quite clear about exactly where they are and what's happening. But anyway, so they're there. And Kirk has just been told either the computer is lying, which, as the Commodore says, is very unlikely and probably not the case. Either that or you lied. One of you lied is basically the problem. They're like, we need to investigate. And he says, there may well, he says we need to investigate whether there will be a court-martial. Because at this point, someone has died, 
The computer record is showing that Kirk pressed the jettison button, which would have killed Finlay before he hit yellow alert, which means that no, Finlay did not have time to evacuate that room. In fact, he would have been doing his regular duties and then just jettisoned in space. Which in turn would pretty much mean because of an accident on the captain's behalf, Finlay died. So the captain is responsible. Now, the captain, you know, Kirk says, no, that's not possible. And the computer shows otherwise, which brings him to a really interesting problem. And it's a problem that I'll say comes up a lot today. Now that technology, cameras, all these things are more integrated, people take things out of context. Sometimes they see a video of someone somewhere and go, oh, he must be guilty because that crime happened when he was there, but they don't always look at the context. Sometimes you can be in a place you're not normally in and be caught on the camera without doing anything wrong. A lot of people like to jump to conclusions. And uh, that's kind of what happens here. Now, they do tell him to stay on the surface while they investigate if there should be a court-martial. And very quickly, it gets determined by Spock that he's not sure. He goes over the computer, doing a level 1 survey of the entire computer system to see, you know, is the computer in error? Was there some kind of mechanical fault that could cause the computer to do this? And the problem is, Spock says no. There's nothing wrong with it. As far as I can tell, the computer is working exactly as it should. Which brings us back to the conundrum of either Kirk's lying or the computer is. And if the computer is in perfect functioning order, it doesn't have a personality, it is not sentient, it can't lie. Or at least that's the current belief. So the court-martial is set up and Kirk basically demands it at this point because everyone starts accusing him. There's even a scene where he goes to the bar on the planet and obviously word has gotten around about what he is suspected of and all of his old classmates who are there start accusing him. He nearly gets into a punch on at one point because they're pretty much accusing him outright of being responsible for killing a crew member through his own negligence. Which hurts him a lot. He's, you know, he's Kirk. He is the, well, what we get from his backstory. He's a bit of a nerd when he went to the university for Starfleet Academy. He's a little bit of a nerd. He was always in the books. He wanted to be the best of the best and now he is the captain of the flagship of the fleet. So he is the best, or at least he considers himself the best and his career shows that. And yet here he is in a room full of people that ordinarily would respect him and be happy to see him. And they're all accusing him of being negligent. So this really gets to him. And he goes in and he demands a court-martial. Because they try and very sneakily say, look, this doesn't look good. Because of your record and who you are and the things you've done, if you plead guilty, we can find you a little bit easily. We will be grounded we can find you a command somewhere. We can find you somewhere where you can live out the rest of your life comfortable, continuing to do something, but you won't be in command of a starship. Pretty much offering him a very dirty deal, might I add. Like, what the Commodore's pretty much saying is, you've been a good captain your whole career, I think you've made a mistake here and someone's died, but instead of getting justice for that guy's family, we're going to let you off because basically you're powerful and we don't want to make an example of you, which... I'm just going to say, real dirty corruption right there. I don't like that nobody brought that up throughout the rest of the trial. Like, why was that never brought to the forefront? He shouldn't be getting offered deals. If someone does something wrong, I don't care about your position of power. You should be held accountable. And Kirk, funny enough, even though he's the one that they're trying to hold accountable, kind of calls that out himself and says, is that what we are now? Do we just sweep our problems under the rug? Do we just get guilty people and give them ground missions? Is that the Starfleet I'm supposed to work for? And he says, no. I demand a court-martial. He says, I want a court. I want the right to prove that I am innocent as I am in front of a court. 
And they mentioned that this is the first time that a starship captain has ever been put in a court-martial, which is really interesting. Because... I'm pretty sure... Oh, I suppose Spock wasn't a captain, was he? So I guess you can't consider that trial to be a captain. I don't know. It's interesting now. Now I'm trying to think. Like, is there one? Because they do a prequel show called Enterprise. But no, I don't think Archer ever gets held in any kind of court-martial. Maybe they're right. Maybe this is the very first court-martial of a captain in Star Trek. But anyway. So it goes on. And basically, it's your typical court scene. There's a lot of parallels, I'm just going to say, from this and some court scenes we get in future series, particularly Next Generation. There's, without going too much into it, because it is an episode we'll cover later, there's an episode called Measure of a Man, where Picard's ex-girlfriend, who is now a JAG lawyer, ends up gunning for him in the courtroom, or going after him, while he's trying to protect his friend and android. And we learn that they have a history, just like Kirk and the lawyer who was going for him in this scenario, who is his ex-girlfriend. You know, they're someone that the captains thought they could trust, and yet these ex-girlfriends then go after them using the court as a weapon, and using it very well, to the point where, like, you and all the other crew members pretty much know the captains are innocent, and yet, in the court, they really go out of their way. They do some dirty lawyer tricks to paint the captains as evil men. Like, this chick, I should have taken her name, but this chick goes after Kirk in the courtroom. She goes after all of the people that come in as his witnesses, character references, and she twists all their words. She tries to twist the words of Spock into making it sound like Captain Kirk just, he makes mistakes all the time, that's just who he is. And she says, oh, of course, I didn't mean to accuse him. It was just hypothetically in this situation, if a man was there, could he do this? You know, that, that dirty, slimy, lawyer, political talk they do where they they don't outright accuse you because they know they're not allowed to do that, but they absolutely outright accuse you just using slimy words to get around that rule. It's, it's dirty. It's the sort of thing that has for, you know, decades and decades now made lawyers the butt of the, like, scumbag jokes because lawyers are able to twist even the most innocent man words, into a defense that they can use to get their clients off, even if their client's guilty. It's something lawyers specialize in. Now, mind you, lawyers can be scummy, but I will also say they use that ability quite regularly to defend innocent people as well, running rings around these idiots. But when you are watching someone you care about that is innocent have this done to them, it hits hard. And in a lot of shows, it tends to be the court going after the main characters like this, which makes lawyers come off really bad. But anyway, she does her best, but they discover something interesting, because when Spock calls the captain between the hearings and says, look, I don't know what to tell you, captain. I've done another scan of the computer, and I can't find any faults. I can't find anything wrong. And Kirk makes an offhanded comment. He says, well, it's not all bad, Mr. Spock. Maybe you'll be able to beat your next captain in chess. Now, I'm still a little confused as to whether that really was an offhand comment that he was just sort of saying to Spock as a bit of a comforting, like, you know, you're a good officer, I hope you do well with your next captain, no matter what happens to me, or whether that was a very subtle, I'd like you to play chess with a computer to test something. Because that's what happens. The computer goes off... No, sorry, the computer. I know Vulcan's a computer-like, but Spock is not a computer. Spock goes off to play chess with the computer, who he points out he has specifically programmed a few months before to have his complete knowledge of chess. And a computer, as he says, it's a computer. It's not sentient, it can't think, 
It only works with the data it has. The best case scenario for Spock, since he programmed it, should have been a draw. A stalemate. As he said, stalemate after stalemate after stalemate. That's what he expects when he faces the computer. Except that's not what happens. He goes off to play chess. Dr. McCoy comes in and says, you're a real cold-blooded man, you know. Your captain is on trial and you're here just playing chess. And Spock just says, kind of comically, he goes, you know, I've won four times in a row, Doctor. And at first the Doctor's annoyed. He's just like, really, you want to show off about your chess skill now while your friend's on trial? And Spock says, no, 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 you don't understand. And then he points out what I just said before, that he's programmed the computer and he's like, I shouldn't be able to beat it four times in a row. Someone has reprogrammed this computer. And that opens up a whole other line of questioning of like, well, who else has the ability to program the computer? Now, they determine at this point that there are only three people on board that can do it. The records officer, Finley, who is dead, or is supposedly dead and supposedly has been killed and what this whole court-martial is about, his death. Spock who didn't do it, as he points out, I am a Vulcanian, we don't really lie, I have no reason to do this, you know, he has no motive, so he's out, and why would Spock do it in this case, it makes no sense, and Kirk, again, why would Kirk do it, because why would you change a computer's program and leave evidence to make it look like you're guilty of a crime, which leaves one person that could have done it, Finley, and then they bring up the point, well, we never found his body, And the lawyer, who I haven't talked about yet, but the lawyer they bring in is kind of an interesting guy, and the perfect lawyer for this. He's a lawyer, he's like an old man, he's got a desk full of books, which is, you know, stands out in this world of computers. And he basically says, I've got a computer, it's got all the laws of history in it, but it doesn't mean anything to me, I prefer my books. It lets you understand the man who wrote them, and how they wrote them, and what their intentions were. And you know, he's one of those real old school... I don't know if there's many like that around today, but right up until like at least the 90s, you still had these like older types that had been, I've been a lawyer since the 1950s and this is how I've always done things. I don't need those fandangled computers, you know, those types. Didn't mean they were bad lawyers, just meant they weren't really interested in moving with the times as far as technology went with computers. He still knew the law. He was still a good lawyer, and considering this case, as he broke it down when Kirk first went to see him, is not really did Kirk do this or did he not, it's more a case of, you know, man versus computer, because the captain and all the crew, because by the way, they've had witnesses, they've had Spock, they've had a couple other witnesses from the crew come up and sit down and be asked questions, not one of them had a bad word to say about Kirk. In fact, Spock, during his hearing, actually said, that I, for Kirk to have murdered this man, would mean that he is capable of malice. And Spock says, in my experience with the captain, he is not capable of malice, and therefore could not have murdered Mr. Finlay. Which was, you know, nice. Spock is, as the doctor said, a very cold man, he doesn't often give compliments, and I feel like getting a compliment like that from a Vulcan means more than from most people. He's basically saying, no, in my experience, I trust my captain absolutely, he would never act within malice. You know, which is great. And the lawyer really sort of plays on this, but then, as I said, they work out something's wrong with the computer. The lawyer finds this out, and then they have a quick discussion where they come up with the theory that a man could escape a search on the ship if he knew they were searching for him and he had previously programmed a computer. So they conduct an experiment. The next part of the court actually takes place on the bridge of Enterprise. 
Now, all of them are there. There's the Commodore. I think there might be a few Commodores. I don't think they ever actually give all the ranks. I don't know. The, the main Commodore Stone is like the head of the tribunal, but there are a couple other people beside him that I presume are also Commodores or Admirals or at least Captains. And they're all there, so they come aboard, along with Finlay's daughter, who at the very start accused Kirk of murdering her father, because there is a little bit of a history there where Kirk apparently gave him a reprimand on his record because in the past he had he had done an incident that I agree, I think it was harsh for his record to be harmed the way it was, but also he deserved it because he had basically screwed up in the past with uh, doing maintenance on the ship that, as Kirk says, when I found him, the ship was minutes away from being destroyed due to something that he should have already taken care of. I had no choice but to, for the sake of the crew and the ship, put him on record. He said, unfortunately, our friendship has never quite been the same since then, and perhaps he blames me for not giving his career take off the way most of our other classmates have. You know, and that, I think he's unfair on two counts. Like, I get, it is a spaceship, he did threaten the lives of possibly a few hundred people through his negligence. Sure, that should be called out. But I think it's a bit unfair that we find that like he's been denied promotions because of that. I'm like, you know, people make mistakes. If he's only made that one mistake and the rest of his career's been fine, I mean, where's the forgiveness? This dude obviously isn't a bad officer. He wasn't fired. Kirk, still to this point, had not advocated or said anything bad about him. He just said that day he made a mistake. I called him out on it. Since then, he has served admirably. I did not kill the man. I quite liked the man. He even said he named one of his kids after him. <laughs> Which, you know, pretty big deal. Pretty big deal indeed. But we find at this point the experiment they're doing. They get everyone on the ship to leave the ship. The ship basically gets evacuated. gets put in orbit. The impulse engines get taken offline. And they're told, all right, we're going to conduct an experiment here. Everyone leaves except the courts. So you've got the Admirals, you've got the bridge crew, which is mostly just Spock, Uhura, and a couple others that are just there to, you know, do any emergency things, but only the bridge crew. We get the idea that no one outside the bridge is on the ship. Everyone else has been evacuated to the planet. Now, at this point, they conduct an experiment where they get Spock to open up the... I presume they're internal sensors. They don't call them that, but they're like it's somehow they can amplify all noise in the ship. And they're picking up heartbeats. <laughs> and then we get a... It's kind of amusing. There's a moment where um, Dr. McCoy goes around the room and they're like, he's going to use this device to use the white noise to filter out all of the heartbeats of the people in this room. Because we hear at first the noise picks up and it's like all these... Sounds like light drums going off. But it's just everyone's heartbeat from the room. <laughs> and then Dr. McCoy comes out with what is very, very obviously... A big silver microphone with like maybe a rubber band or like a bit of a paint bit of red that's been painted over the top of it. Like they're trying to make it look like a device, but it's so plain as day that that's just a regular old microphone that they're just like walking around. He's probably got like a little another remote or something in his fist at the bottom where he's hitting a little clicker to make it sound like it's a device where he's like twisting things and hitting buttons. But realistically, it's a torch. It's just an oh sorry, not a torch, a microphone. Which is kind of funny. He's going around with a microphone and just like pretending to twist the bottom and making a switching sound to get the white noise of their heartbeats out. Which is such a such a 60s design choice. But you know what? I like it. I get the story they're trying to tell. It just made me laugh when I saw the very obviously like karaoke looking microphone in his hand. 
but whatever. So they go around and they cut out all the heartbeats from the room. And that leaves one heartbeat. Which brings up what they're saying next is, how can I be accused in a court-martial of a man's death who is not dead? Because if a man didn't want to be found and knew enough about this ship to be able to reprogram its computer, he also knows enough about this ship to be able to hide from searches when the ship, you know, searches within the ship when incidents happen. So when he was declared dead after they left the storm, presumably the whole crew conducted searches. They would have searched every part of the ship. Because, of course, people are missing. For all you know, they've hit their head and they're underneath a shelf or they've hit their head and then the ship's bounced a bit in one of the storms or something's happened and their body's been pushed to the side off a walkway. You need to find these people. They could be hurt and they need to go to Medbay and be helped. And at worst, their families need to be notified. So presumably they searched the whole ship. But they would have done it in stages. And anyone who's been through an incident like that before, particularly someone with the knowledge to, you know, write a computer and head of records who... I guess. We don't get much about the head of records position, but I presume his whole job is to be in charge of, apparently, the camera feeds that are throughout the ship for incidents like this to be used as evidence. But not only that, he must run the computer, he must run all the records and reports that all the crew do, and he's probably in charge of, like, going through them and then sending them off to the authority, doing any necessary edits and highlighting anything the captain or anyone else needs to know about within them. So he's a man who has been through these procedures before, knows how they work, knows how people report about them, what they have to say about them. Someone in that position could absolutely, without question, dodge the search teams. There's enough spots in the ship to be able to hide that he could do that. And he's done that. That's exactly what he's done. Now, earlier on, his daughter had accused Kirk, but funny enough, before this one, she's actually come aboard the Enterprise to try and advocate for Kirk, where she's like, I read all the letters that my father wrote home. I didn't realise how close a friend you were. I'm sorry I accused you, it was just my emotions at the time. You need to understand that I want you to get away with this. Um, not get away with this, but he's like, I want you to be determined to be innocent. You shouldn't have your career destroyed because of my father's mistake. Which, you know, as the lawyer says, very honourable of you because your father died and you're here advocating this. But as we learned before, like I said, he's not dead. Kurt goes after him. You have a little bit of a run-in where on the bridge you've got the people from the court-martial still watching on the camera feed. Eventually Kurt manages to disarm him. And we get a moment where he had basically planned to destroy the ship. That was his revenge on Kirk. He's like, I could have killed you at any point. That's not revenge. You ruined my career. I'm going to ruin yours. And I'm going to take your ship from you. Because he knew they'd turn the engines off at this point and he was basically setting the ship up for its orbit to decay faster than normal. <laughs> Meaning that the ship would be destroyed because they'd have to evacuate it, which he knew more than anything would hurt Kirk because, as he sees, like he's really riled up. He's really, my career was destroyed. Everyone I went to school with is a captain except for me, all because of one mistake that they'll never forget. All those years of good work. He's like, I was a good officer. I was. And nobody gave me recognition. I made one mistake and my whole career was over. And you know what? I don't agree with what he did trying to destroy the ship, but I kind of agree with him on that. Like I said before, one mistake should not ruin your whole career. Not if you are otherwise a good officer. We all have off days. We all make mistakes. And it seems like Starfleet, especially at this point, was very unforgiving. Which is kind of brutal when you consider some of the things that have happened before. I mean, we were talking about the menagerie before. Spock literally hijacked the entire ship. He tried to steal it and took it to a system that was banned from all travel under pain of death. 
and yet he's still first officer. Finlay, well, yeah, he did endanger the crew as well, but he did it once, a long time ago, probably an accident, and he's not forgiven, and yet Spock is completely let go. You know, I can understand hypocrisy like that really riles people up. It gets people rubbed the wrong way and angry, and sometimes you just give people a chance, and this sort of thing doesn't happen. But anyway, he ends up being sent in for another court-martial of his own, because Kirk, in the end, they determined, well, obviously he's innocent. You cannot be held guilty for the death of someone through your own actions if that person is still alive. Obviously. <laughs> and we find out, funny enough, at the end of the episode, the kind of strange lawyer that Kirk has is now going to be defending Finlay, and probably making the same argument I did, that, like, it was one mistake long ago. He shouldn't have done what he did, you know, all that stuff. But, like, cool. But that's basically it. Like, that's the episode. It's a it's a bottle episode. We don't really meet any new characters unless you consider Stone a new character. I'm not even sure he is. He could even be the same Commodore that we've met before. I'm not sure. But I didn't pay enough attention. But, like, yeah. That's it. It's a fun little episode. It's one of the first big court case episodes. And this one, unlike the last one, Menagerie is not just a clip show reusing old footage for the most part. This actually is a court show where they came up with new lines and it is well written. You know, unlike that one, they're not using just clips. But, you know, they managed to prove somebody messed with the computer. Kirk is innocent. He's still alive. And that was a fun episode. So, I know it's a bit of a short one this time, and I didn't really bring up a whole lot, but it's fun. I look forward more to the future court cases in particular. I'm going to bring up again, I know we're a long way away, but Measure of a Man, one of the best court case episodes, I think, in all of Star Trek. That and the... Oh god, what's it called? Oh, I don't remember now. It's, it's drum something. It's, a, it's another one in Next Gen. We'll, we'll get to that later anyway. So next up, we've got Return of the Archons. I don't know what that's about, but I'm about to sit down and watch it. So thanks for coming by, and I'll see you all in the next one. Bye for now.